Welcome to the Founder and Funder Experience, brought to you by Valence Advisory and Mattermade. This podcast serves to bring to light the different journeys select founders and funders took to get to where they are today. We hope their lives and their learnings continue to inspire both present and future innovators. Hello, everybody. It's Arjun Devarora, the founder and managing partner of Valence Advisory. We support funds and founders and help accelerate their efforts via people, strategy, and capital. And now off to John. Hi, John Liu here. I'm the co-founder and advisor, partner in crime to Arjun Dave Aurora at Valence Advisory. But I think that's enough about us. Today, we have like a wonderful guest. Her name's Monique Woodard. And uh, Monique, welcome. And why don't you introduce yourself? Tell us a bit about what you've been up to these days. Thank you. Um, I'm Monique Woodard. I'm based in San Francisco, and I'm the founding partner and managing director of a venture capital firm called Cake Ventures. So I basically spend most of my time investing in and discovering great founders and then helping them be successful. Wow. And uh, Monique, you've had quite a diverse and extensive career spanning many sectors. So how did you discover this thing called venture? And, you know, what got you hooked into getting involved? Yeah, I mean, I didn't grow up in a place where, like, anyone knew anything about venture capital. I grew up in a super rural town in in Florida, central Florida. And, you know, my grandfather was a farmer and I grew up on a farm, basically. My dad worked fire and rescue for NASA. My mom worked for AT&T. So super working class family. But I am an only child and, you know, got really into computers early And my dad bought me my first computer when I was like eight or so, which then meant that he had to drive me like into town for like these programming classes (laughs) and sort of became sort of self-taught because like there were no computer classes in my middle school and high school. But then I started teaching myself HTML and like back in like the early aughts, it wasn't really even called starting a startup. It was like I'm going to build something on the internet and then I'm going to use like growth hacking and performance marketing techniques to make that thing get popular and make money. And I got really good at doing that. And that sort of led me into like a more tech focused career, a company based in San Francisco, knew of me, knew that I was good at building product, asked me to come out and talk to them. I was out here for 36 hours and I moved 30 days later. And I've been in San Francisco ever since. And uh, I would say like that really kicked off like the Silicon Valley part of my career. You know, I was at that company for a couple of years, left to start, build a mobile app in the mobile shopping space. Um, Also started community founders called Black Founders because we weren't seeing like it was like 2011 or so. And there was no diversity in the Valley at that time. And so, you know, that really sort of catalyzed my like interest in working with founders closely. And ultimately I decided that I was probably, well, I just, I discovered that I was sort of like doing the job of a VC, but without like the actual money behind me to actually like invest in companies. So I was like, you got to fix that. (laughs) And um, that's how I ended up moving on to the investor side of the table um, at 500 startups, um, started investing out of their seed program um, did some investing in Sub-Saharan Africa. And um, yeah, and from there, it was sort of, you know, that became my life as as an investor and as a person who like works closely with founders. Wow, what a journey. Thanks for sharing that, uh, Monique. And, you know, you, uh, you mentioned you were doing um, 
performing the role of a VC without the actual money and yet do something about that. You know, once you did do something about that, you worked with quite an amazing number of uh, founders, you know, at a stage when, you know, the VC ecosystem was arguably very different to what it is today. Mm -hmm. What are some of the memorable or meaningful highlights of that time you spent in VC? Because I would say you're one of the diverse uh, venture capitalists and investors who really had insight into what it was like to work in that environment before diversity became a popular thing, you know? Yeah, I mean, I think I think the conversation around diversity has really changed. And now, even, you know, this year in the wake of George Floyd and all of the protests, the, the conversation has changed even more. And now you've got venture firms saying that Black Lives Matter, uh, which was never a thing, <laughs> You know, so that's a huge change. And, you know, they're sort of ramping up their efforts to support black founders and also support black uh, fund managers. And so there's there's been a true shift. And I'm hoping that's a long lasting shift because, you know, when I started to support founders and work closely with founders, you know, you would introduce them to like you would introduce black founders to like Sand Hill Road VCs and it would sort of go nowhere. Right. They weren't getting like the same level of, of support and capital that their non-black peers were. And so I think over time, that's that's certainly changed. I mean, you know, Deshaun Amira from Maven, I know Deshaun from like day zero of him starting Maven and he went on to do 500 startups and then Andreessen invested in him and then Rich Dennis um Richelieu Dennis, you know, the founder of Shea Moisture, invested in him. And so it's really sort of evolved in a way that I think Black founders can get a lot of support. And, you know, to put a clear perspective on it, like back when I started, there were really very few Black people in venture, right? There were very few, there, were, I mean, there was Charles Hudson, and like, that was it. <laughs> and, and like, uh, it's so funny. Like sometimes I'll get on the phone with someone and they're like, do you know Charles Hudson? I'm like, yeah, I, I do. I know Charles Hudson. <laughs> <laughs> That's funny. <laughs> Charles is great. We love Charles. <laughs> we love Charles. But yes, like you can't be in this business and not know Charles Hudson. <laughs> um, so, you know, there were there were very, very few black VCs. And now we're starting to see like this whole new black fund manager class come to market with like these interesting funds and interesting models. And I think that's like a really that's a really good thing for the industry. So I'm excited by that change. Oh, thank you for sharing. Wow. Such an interesting backstory. Right. Like, yeah. um, And, you know, being one of the first in the early days of venture, aside from Charles, you too were you make there. Make me sound so old. I'm like. <laughs> well, well, we'll talk about it. In, it's like dog, it's like dog years because like one yeah. year SV like is like seven years of like progress, right? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, but you know, it's it's interesting coming from arguably like new and fresh lens approach to mm -hmm. venture because you didn't come from a traditional background, of, whether it was an educational background or upbringing. What what did you see in those days that others just completely overlooked in terms of like yeah. like vetting founder quality or insights into markets that most people have potentially like 
blinkers on or biases that inhibit their their capacity to see opportunity. Yeah, I was definitely seeing them like ignore founders who didn't fit didn't fit the pattern, right? Didn't fit didn't go to Stanford, but maybe they went to they went to an HBCU, they went to Howard, right? And I think early on, a lot of a lot of traditional investors just didn't know how to evaluate those founders. And so were they were discounting those founders. They were like, oh, that person didn't go to Stanford or doesn't have this education. You're like, wait, but they went to Howard University, which is like an amazing HBCU. So I think part of it was like being able to understand and recognize what a good founder looked like outside of the package that everyone else had, you know, become accustomed to seeing. And then the second part of it was, you know, really understanding, you know, one of the things that I talk about a lot is that like the world itself is changing. And one of the changes is like this rise of a new majority where people of color are going to become the majority in the United States pretty soon. And that's like mostly black, Latinx and Asian people will be the majority in the U.S. And so if you think about that, that means a massive shift to the Internet user base. And that's one of the things that I started talking about and thinking about really early. Um, so I'm an early investor in a company like Blavity, which is a media platform for black millennials. Invested, they were actually my first deal at 500 Startups. So New Morgan invested in that company early. Also an angel investor in Minted Cosmetics, a beauty brand for women of color. And so it was really, those investments were all about sort of seeing where the world was moving to. And, you know, skating to where the puck is going in my investments. And I think that people are still not quite recognize. A lot of investors are, are still not quite recognizing how deeply this change is going to affect, like, what people want to buy, the way that they want to use the Internet, and the things that they are going to adopt when it comes to technology. And so... That's really, I think, sort of one of my superpowers is like looking and understanding like this change to demographics is going to really change everything that we know about technology. And here's and then like putting an, an investor lens on that and saying, OK, well, if that's true, then these are the things that we should be investing in. Oh, so well said, like on point with your brand tagline, right? Investing where we're going, not where we've been. Exactly. Yeah, so totally. Just giving Cake VC a plug there, everyone. Just remember, <laughs> that's so fascinating. And and so, you know, being in ventures sometimes now, like now that you saw these trends well before others, and it's still arguably even early days now, right? Mm-hmm. What are some of the opportunities to disrupt or what, what are some of the possibilities you see for the world uh, that you're super excited about given where these trends are going, you know? Yeah. I mean, I'm super excited about the aging market. Um, that's a huge market opportunity that I think people are only now starting to understand how big the aging market is and how influential people, how influential boomers are today, but how influential millennials and Gen Gen X will be as they get older. Right. And so Previously, like the aging market was under innovated and definitely under invested. And now we're starting to see like these new crop of startups come to come to market with these new products that are totally targeted at this aging demographic. And it can be anywhere from helping people age in place to helping them think through retirement and benefits to helping them think through like if older people want to remain in the workforce and a lot of them do 
you know, what are the what are the support systems that they're going to need from HR and from management in order to actually do that? Right. And so that's one of the big areas that I'm super excited about. Um, I wrote a, a white paper on aging called Gray New World. You know, I'm also really interested in in sort of the influence of, of the female dollar on companies. You know, basically, there are a lot there are now a, new, a number of companies that are driving to to billion dollar outcomes based on the economic power of women. And so um, the real real is a really good one because they just recently did an IPO. But now we're also going to start to see it outside of e-commerce into other categories. So I think that's like one area where I see a lot of opportunity that I think um, is still relatively untapped by most VCs. So well said. And I think Arjun and I can attest to to that trend as well. But, mm-hmm. you know, curious from your point of view, it's like, what assumption li- uh, limits the speed of new VCs actually seeing the size of this opportunity? Or what is it that, or what insight aren't they aware of that would actually help them really put their attention more to this space and realize, like, how, first of all, how important it is? But number two, like how like untapped the opportunities are. Yeah, I, I mean, I s- still think that a lot of VCs, especially Silicon Valley VCs, are there's a whole world and a whole, you know, if we're just talking about the U.S., there's a whole, you know, other part of the country out there of people who don't have Silicon Valley problems, right? They have Midwest problems. They've got Iowa problems. They've got rural Florida problems, right? And there's this big opportunity there to solve those problems, which arguably is a much bigger market than continuing to solve for Silicon Valley backyard problems. And I think it's it can be really hard for for you to sort of like lift yourself up and lift your head up out of Silicon Valley and what we think is is really cool and look at you know what does a mom of three in Peoria like it's that old radio saying like does it play in Peoria right like does it do people in Peoria like listen to this and so like does a mom of four in Peoria need you know, I won't, I won't call it any startups, but like. <laughs> <laughs> Insert a uh, hyped up Silicon Valley right. up here. Right? Do they need this thing, um, or do they need something else? Right. What are they thinking about and what are their needs and what are the, what are the problems that you're going to solve for her? Or what does this truck driver in, uh, you know, Ocala, Florida need? Like what are, what are their problems and how can we solve those? And, you know, I think that if we start to think about the world in a much broader way and sort of lift ourselves out of like the immediacy, the immediacy of Silicon Valley, and this goes for both investors and founders, right? It goes for both. Then there are much, much bigger market opportunities for us to, to address and for us to get excited about. Huh. So well said. And um, I'm just going to pause and like absorb that for a bit before we pivot, but you know, you, you've had such a rich insight, both on the operational end and arguably been an innovator in a lot of the career paths that you've taken to get to where you are today. You know, you mm-hmm. self-taught yourself coding, right? Or programming, and then you decided to move out to the Valley, like after spending 36 hours <laughs> in the Bay. Yeah. And then going to, and then working in startups and realizing, hey, I'm solving a VC problem. Okay, I can just let's pop over to VC and solve that problem. The, um, it wasn't quite that quick, though. Like, no, no, yeah, great. Yeah. <laughs> it's, 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 
<laughs> that which leads me to the next question. You know, that's um, if if one were to look at like your career pathway, you you could easily like deduce that you would have needed a strong growth mindset mm -hmm. to pull that off. And what are some of the things that you learned about yourself or that you have to learn through experience along the way that really helped you keep continuing that career evolution and never, for better words, use of words, like not stay stagnant, you know? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it was, it was, it's really out of pure necessity, right? Because, like, I don't think I'm, I'm ever going to be the sort of person who like wants to keep doing the same thing in the same way over and over and over again. Like now the rest of my career will be about investing, but I intend to like innovate the way that it's being done. I think my career path has just always been about like waking up every day. And even when it's hard, just not giving up. <laughs> like it's, it's honestly, it's like pure stubbornness, basically. <laughs> It's like purely being like stubborn and like even when there are massive roadblocks, you just like keep working at it, keep working at it, keep working at it. And at some point, like the wall breaks, right? And you're like, yeah, I knew that wall was going to break. Like, <laughs> and eventually it does, you know. My dad used to always say um, pressure bus pipes, like put enough pressure like pressure bus pipes. So it's like that level of um, just doggedness and going after something is really what it takes to make any sort of career, especially one in venture, because venture is hard. It's, it's hard to get into. It's hard to stay in. It's hard. It's hard to be successful. And I think, you know, there are always people who will have like these opinions of like what you should be doing in your life or with your career. But I mean, my goal is to be the best investor. And that's not even like the best black investor or the best woman investor or the best black woman investor. No, I want to be the best investor, period. And you can't get there if you are doing what other people want you to do. Mm -hmm. Right. You can't get there if you are taking the path that other people think that you should be taking for your life. You've got to like, blaze this path where there is no path probably and you got to do it in the way that you know is totally yours and that's the only way you're going to get to you know some level of like what is the best well thanks for sharing that it's so clear and you know respecting confidentiality what are some of the exciting walls we can expect to to crack uh mm -hmm. in what you're doing now and in the immediate future because like Arjun and I are super excited about that. <laughs> yeah. You know, I'm very excited about Cake Ventures and, you know, what the role of Cake Ventures will be in, in having, you know, another seed fund in the market. I'm really thinking about it um, beyond it just being a, a fund that makes investments, right? A fund is certainly an, an investment vehicle, but this fund, I think, is so much more than that. You know, there's the opportunity to to set culture both internally to the fund, but also that external culture setting um, is incredibly important. Um, I've already invested in some great entrepreneurs, you know, in my career, you know, and I think that those entrepreneurs and those companies that they're building are going to be 
um, the companies that everyone is going to be using. And it's really the opportunity to set the future of the consumer landscape. And so the, and the, the landscape is changing. And I think a lot of people don't really recognize it as it's happening. But these founders and, and by extension, hopefully I recognize it quite a bit, are, are going to be the ones that are that are reaping the benefits and and changing the culture of what it means to like, you know, teach your kids bilingual language skills or what it means to buy jewelry online or what it means to consume media. And so I think that there are there are these huge opportunities that are going to be happening. And I'm really excited about Cake Ventures as a fund, but also Cake Ventures as a culture setting company and organization. Wow, very exciting. And if you could share, you know, what are some of the uh, values or traits that you would say define the Cake Ventures team? And obviously that's going to grow over time, but yeah. Like, you know, just so that for our audience, like for the people out there who may not know of you yet or who do, what are some things that define a Cake uh, Ventures cultural fit? Yeah, I think the number one thing, and I mean, you can probably guess this because it's the culture is, is top down. The culture starts with me, right? And the number one thing that I look for in people, you know, whether that's a founder or someone to join the Cake Ventures Fund team is resiliency, right? Someone who can get knocked down today and then wake up tomorrow and they're standing up and they've figured out, you know, figured their way around whatever knocked them down the day before. And so someone who can do that over and over and over again is the sort of person that I want to invest in, right? And it almost doesn't matter like what they're doing as much as like the fact that I, I can be confident that if it doesn't work today, they're going to figure out something that does work tomorrow. So that's like the number one thing that I look for is resiliency and the ability to just keep showing up and keep giving 110% until, you know, until it works. Oh, so well said. Arjun and I say that we like looking for the founder who, who smiles at all the hard things they know they have to do. Yeah, yeah. I like to say, like, I look for people who can take a punch in the mouth and, like, keep going. <laughs> keep going. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, that's the, uh, that's the um, in-person partner meeting, if you're a founder. <laughs> <laughs> the test. <laughs> it's, it's fight club in here. <laughs> oh, well. You know, well, thanks, Monique. Um, you know, we're, we've got to respect time. We're almost at the end, yeah. but I want to give you an opportunity to share any final words, um, whether that's for the broad ecosystem, for founders or VCs or any future people who want to partner with you, um, just to, you know, close this uh, video segment up. I mean, yeah. I mean, you know, I encourage people to reach out. You can find me on Twitter um, a lot, probably too much, uh, at Monique Woodard. Or, you know, you can uh, reach out to me. My website is monique.vc. Also, cake.vc is the website for cake. And, you know, I'm always interested in, in hearing from great founders and working with other investors who, who also share the same beliefs in, in resiliency and culture setting and, like, that there are these new markets that we need to be figuring out and, and looking toward. Awesome. Thank you. Thank you, Monique. Appreciate Thank it. You.